I had uh, been pastor of uh, Oklahoma Baptist Church, and the Lord told me to stop it and start Central North Church. I had no people, no money, uh, no building, and uh, here you are. Uh, so that was, uh, that was 38 years ago. Uh, our first Sunday to get together with a crowd of people was in June, the first Sunday of June of 1982. And so the 4th of July happened to be on Sunday that year. So we had Charter Sunday on the 4th of July of 1982. So that's how, that's how long we've been around. And, uh, so, uh, it's, it's, uh, but a lot of people have come and gone through time here. And, uh, so Best I can, I'm going to give my testimony today about how God used me. There's a reason I'm doing that. If God could ever use me, <laughs> he can use anybody in this room. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You didn't know me, but I'm telling you, if God could use me, he could use anybody in this room. Okay? I was raised on a farm up in Obine County and, uh, uh, you know, played a little high school football, chewed tobacco, and snuck out a beer whenever I could. And uh, I could spit one of them tobacco sideways about three feet. I wasn't good as, it, as uh, East Clint Eastwood hitting that poor dog every time. On, on yeah, I wasn't that good, but... Uh, I was just an old country boy, and uh, I figured I'd get out of high school and, and go to Vietnam. I didn't like, uh, I didn't like school, uh, and uh, so then, back in the, uh, 67, when I graduated, you had two choices. You could go to the University of Vietnam or the University of your choice, but you got to go someplace because sitting home wasn't an option. And, uh, but anyway... Uh, I had been saved as a very young child, and I, I can get to that in a minute, about nine years old. I was raised in a very good church, a Cumberland Presbyterian church in Union City, Tennessee, but the pastor uh, had uh, been with Youth for Christ for a number of years and uh, had uh, come, I don't know how the boy got from Rochester, New York to the sticks of West Tennessee, but he did, and uh, there were just crazy things like we had a blizzard one Wednesday night. Now, Union City doesn't ever have a blizzard. It's kind of like Memphis. And uh, so they had, a, they had a blizzard. Every church in town was closed but ours. And Dick called every carpenter he knew and asked him to build a sled. He called every farmer he knew and told him to drive a tractor to town. They said, you're crazy. He said, yep, crazy. And he called all the women, told them to bring hot chocolate and, and uh, make, be ready to make a bunch of... Uh, grilled cheese sandwiches and then put on the radio the only church in town was going to be open was ours and it's going to be a fun night of fellowship and, and, and snow sledding biggest attendance we'd ever had uh, just turning, turning lemonades in, I mean turning lemons into lemonades old boy was good at it he had never see, hadn't seen that much snow since he left Rochester, New York. <laughs> he, was, he was having a ball. <laughs> and, uh, but I was raised in a very... And, and one of the things we did at Children's Sunday here last week, and, uh, you know, we work real hard at having a children's ministry that is biblically sound and, and the children are well uh, cared for and loved. And, and uh, 
Uh, even had to, after all the crazies came out of the woodwork, we had to end up doing security and all that kind of thing. And, uh, but I remember Sunday school. I remember it's fun. Isn't that crazy? I guess I learned something. But I couldn't tell you that Sunday school was about doctrine. I couldn't tell you it was about Bible study. But they loved me. And hey, and, and, and I got saved in Sunday school. I'll, I'll get back to that in, in a little while. But it was a safe place. They loved me. And it was a fun place. And when I got older and I tried some stuff that the devil wanted me to try and it hurt real bad, I remembered back when I was doing it right over at Sunday school, it was better. People loved me, and I was happy, and uh, things were coming out a lot better. So our church did its job. Uh, I, I went to church. I remember being in the nursery. My mama said, you cannot remember being in the nursery. I described the building to her, and the building was torn down in 1953. So if you're born in 49, you're no older than four years old when the building was torn down. I remember being in the nursery. So I've been in church all my absolute life. And at nine years old, I, was, I trusted Christ. When I'm going to go there, I got the preacher left, uh, which creates turmoil in church, huh? Every time a staff person leaves, uh, every time a youth director leaves, it costs you two generations of children or two grades of children. Your seniors are out the door anyway. And then it takes you juniors and sophomores a little bit to reconnect with the next guy. But longer freshmen and, and, uh, and, uh, and the sophomores will be caught back up. But it's, it, it hurts every time there's a, there's a staff change and every time there's a preacher change. And so there was a preacher change in our church, and I was just in my earlier teenage years. And so it was, uh, it was easy for me to drift away a little while. So I hadn't done anything much about me and Jesus since about nine years old except show up. But uh, my sister-in-law was uh, in, uh, uh, up, up at our house one time. She looked at me. She said, Johnny, what you going to do when you grow up? And I said, be a preacher. I couldn't believe I said that. It came out. You couldn't catch it, couldn't bring it back. And uh, it, was, it was out the door. So that was a little while and got to be a senior and graduated from high school. And so uh, I hadn't joined yet. I was going to try UT Martin for a semester, see if I could talk him into giving me some passing grades on my good looks and charm. And <laughs> so my uncle Jim Graham came into town. He was a missionary in uh, Taiwan. And he said, uh, your mama said you'd been called to preach. I said, mama, keep her mouth shut. She said, Mama been called, Mama said you've been called to preach. He said, Where are you going to school? I said, UT Martin. He said, They got Bible classes over there. I said, No, sir. He said, Well, if you've been called to preach, don't you think you ought to go to Bible, Bible school? And I said, Well, Uncle Jim, I don't know whether I was called to preach or whether I just kind of Ah, he said. Great big old man. He said, God doesn't lie to you and he don't want you lying to him. You told him you was going to preach. You better start preaching. I said, oh. I found myself with a cardboard box full of all of my earthly possessions driving to Memphis, Tennessee to go to the Mid-South Bible College. 
And so you get in there and you fill out this application and said, do you smoke? Well, I'll quit. Uh, do you drink? I need to quit that too. Uh, I was looking for the next question, do you lie? <laughs> but, but, so I go to the Bible college, and that's the craziest place in the world. You're talking about legalists. Golly. They, freshmen in Bible college couldn't date. You had to be chaperoned. Well, I've been dating since the ninth grade. And I said, uh, well, there are just going to be some things they're not going to get to find out about. And so, uh, but now I'm in Memphis now, fall of 67. I get through with the Bible college. I said, them folks crazy. I'm not going back there. So I'll just go out and go to the University of Memphis or Memphis State. Anybody was on the campus of Memphis State in 1968? It was crazy over in 1968. And I went from crazy to crazier. That's the spring Martin Luther King got killed. And students for Democratic Society were marching. They'd go out on the campus and spray tear gas. you go to class, and people had their clothes ragged because they'd gotten sprayed with tear glass, gas, and the rest of us were sitting there in class crying. And I said, at the end of the semester at uh, Memphis State, I said, the entire community of Memphis is nuts. I'm going back to Union City where normal people are. And I'm going to start all over again. And so I went and registered at the University of uh, Martin, uh, University of Tennessee at Martin, and got me a little job at Kroger. And I was set to see if I could, again, make some grades on my charm and wit. Uh, but let me read you a couple of scriptures before I go any further. The, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, was writing... Uh, well, first, let me go back to Acts, because that's where we jumped off from with, uh, with uh, Marcus. Uh, Marcus is doing a homecoming with his uh, family, big, big, his wife's big family. So he's doing a, a homecoming with, with them. And uh, so Peter and John were going up to the temple in the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried. They laid there daily at the gate of the temple. He's called Beautiful. And ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John also uh, to go up into uh, the temple, uh, he also, uh, excuse me, uh, he asked uh, to receive alms. And uh, Peter uh, directed his gaze at him and, and, uh, did, and John said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Get up and walk. Well, when God called me, he called a man without silver. He called a man without gold and without much sense. And I'm thinking, Lord, because I knew preachers, or at least I thought I knew preachers. I knew the persona that preachers in the 50s and 60s were supposed to show. Blue suit, white shirt, red tie. There was a persona. You had to fit the mold to be a preacher. They was all fat and bald-headed. Shut up. 
but I mean, uh, but I mean, I knew what, and I wasn't that. I didn't like suits, still don't. Uh, didn't want a tie. You know, churches smelled old and musty because for most of them they weren't open, but on Sunday they's closed the rest of the time. You know, and so here I am, 18 years old, and what I want to be a fat, bald headed preacher in a blue suit and a red tie and a musty building for. That was wasted. You know, I, I saw it happening maybe 60, but I didn't see it happening when I was 18 years old. So God had called this guy. Now, well, how are we going to get this guy straightened around? In fact, there's another scripture. We look over in 1 Corinthians, and uh, uh, in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, And God chose what is foolish in the world, to shame the wise. God chose what's weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what's low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who came to us wisdom who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Well, when God got ready to hunt for a preacher, finding me was somewhere in his list of them things that were least likely to make it to the pulpit. So, I'm back home trying to get it all figured out. I'm working at Kroger, closing up at night. I had the not late night shift on Saturday night. And uh, I had already, you see, I couldn't buy a beer then. I wasn't old enough. So I had to steal it. So you just go up on the shelf at the Kroger store and take a six-pack and go back and stick it in the ice machine and then when you close up, you put it in a bag and set it on the back dock. You lock up the store and drive around and get your beer. So I was all set for Saturday night. And I was working in the back room getting things locked up. And a guy picked up the intercom. And I could hear him laughing before he ever said a word. He said, <laughs> Brother Latimer, <laughs> telephone. And I'm sitting back there saying, who is calling me Brother Latimer? So I go up front, go to the phone, and there's this guy named Cunningham calling, and he needs a preacher for in the morning. He'd been shelling corn all week as in the fall of the year. He'd been shelling corn all week. It was his job to call and get a preacher for Sunday, and he forgot. But my daddy said, my son's been to the Bible college. <laughs> now, they desperate. <laughs> they didn't ask no questions. They just called. And he told me this sad story and wanted me to preach Sunday. And I said, Okay. And then I hung the phone up 
And I got to thinking, God's going to kill you. You can't do that. I mean, a dog be a better preacher than you. Don't do it. So I said, okay. Troy, Tennessee, where this little church was, has about 300 people in it. So I knew the guys. I remember the guy's name was Cunningham. And I figured, well, I'll just get a telephone directory and find Cunningham. Couldn't be too many of them. And I see if I can find 200 of them in Troy's Cunningham's. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to call Daddy and tell Daddy what a boo-boo I was in. So I took the beer out of the ice machine, <laughs> blew it off, carried it back, put it on the shelf, <laughs> locked up, went home, found my Bible. And I had to find it. It's probably still in the back of the car where I throwed all that stuff in when I left Memphis two or three months ago. But I found my Bible, got up real early on Sunday morning, went out and sat down under the trees, and they got me a Bible lesson together. You remember, I told you I was raised in church. And even though I'm not real smart, I'm not stupid either. So I, I, could get me a, I could get me a Bible lesson together. So I got me a Bible lesson together. So I go out to this little country church. And I get there, and there's an old men's Sunday school class meets over in that corner. So I got there just in time to sit down with the old men in the Bible study. And they's deaf and mumbled. And that was the most boring thing I ever sat through in my life. But anyway, we got through with that, and we were sitting there on the front row, and boy come up and said, Brother Latimer, don't you think it's about time to start church? I said, yep, who leads singing? Preacher always leads singing. Oh! <laughs> it was getting worse by the minute. <laughs> so they introduced me to this piano player, and she is older than thunder. Church was 20 minutes late getting started because it took that long for both of us to find three songs we both knew. <laughs> so I get up and I give invitation. I mean, I, I, I lead singing and then I preach. It's Presbyterian Church and they have a pulpit over here and they have a pulpit over here. Now this one over here is for reading the word and this one for over here is for proclamation of the word but I didn't know that. So I got confused and just stood in the middle. So when I got to take my own church, I fixed that, huh? <laughs> I just put, put, one in, I put one in the middle. But anyway, I preached a sermon and gave invitation. Ten kids came and gave their heart and life to Jesus. I said, oh. And, of course, the church was all been out of shape. There's this little preacher sitting there on the front row crying over all them lost kids. He wasn't crying over all them lost kids. He's crying over this boy. They're so confused, I didn't know which end was up. And what's worse, they asked me to come back <laughs> that Sunday night. So I go home. I'm staying at Mom and Daddy's. I go home. And they're going down to Real Foot Lake to eat catfish and said, you don't go? I said, no, I need, to, I need to study. Well, I didn't need to study, but I did need to pray. And the best message I can get out of this is God said, son, I called you to preach and I'll honor it. Or. And he didn't explain or and I didn't ask or. Okay? I just turned the page and said, Okay, I'll see, can I preach? And uh, so 
And I went back Sunday after Sunday and Sunday after Sunday for three years. <laughs> I went back and preached. And I had met Linda down here, so we kind of got things squared back up again, got married, moved into our little honeymoon cottage out there in the middle of the cemetery. <laughs> Every church has its own little cemetery. And it, it started out at the preacher's house was on the edge of the cemetery, but as people kept dying... They come around the preacher's house. But they're great neighbors. <laughs> Ain't no, none of them ever interfere with nothing. You just, you just teach yourself not to look out at night and think you're seeing something. <laughs> but anyway, well, I realized I was stupid as a brick and I had to go back to school. So uh, I packed up all my little stuff in a farm truck and moved to Memphis to go to the Mid-South Bible College again. Dayton didn't matter. I was married. <laughs> they couldn't mess with me no more. <laughs> and uh, so I went to the Bible College and uh, pastored a little church out in Gainesville, uh, Ebenezer Cumberland Presbyterian Church, out where Bozo's Barbecue is. And I did that for a while during the early 70s and then I went to work for my brother as youth director. And uh, so he got this guy in one day, and the guy was, uh, uh, his name was uh, Barber uh, from down in at, at Birmingham. He was a preacher of Briarwood Presbyterian Church down there, Wayne. You may remember him. But he was giving his testimony, and he got out of the uh, uh, Korean War. He bought him a little MGB car, and he was cruising around those mountains down in uh, Birmingham and lost control of that car and rolled and bounced that sucker two or three times down a mountain. And when he got straightened around, the headlights was pointing up on one of them crosses somebody had put up, said, prepare to meet thy God. <laughs> and he said he rolled out and got saved. But then he went on to say, that if you didn't know when you got saved, the minute, the time, the date, the hour, the soul, you may not be saved. That threw me another little zinger. Because remember me telling you I was raised in church all my life. And I really thought it might be important that I could tell people when I got saved. But I really didn't know when. Because every time there was a revival, I had a lot of catching up to do. So I just kept walking the aisle, you know. I'd kind of left a bare spot down there because I, I, I thought that, you know, you, to get right, you had to come down and shake hands to the preacher to get right. I didn't realize that you could do that between you and Jesus sitting right there in the seat. But anyway, uh, so I had to go back and figure out through all that mess. When it was, I came to know the Lord. And God brought to my memory, uh, I was about nine 10 years old, sitting in the Sunday school, and the teacher was given a flannel graph lesson. Now, nobody in here has a word, clue what that is, except somebody with this color hair. I mean, it's got to be way this color hair. It was before film strips. It was before slides, you know? And they had a little piece of cloth on a board, and they had these little cutout figures with 
an early version of Velcro on them, and you'd stick them up on that board, and they were little, just a little sight that helps, little helps is all they were. And she was given a Bible lesson, and at the end of the Bible lesson, asked who wanted to trust Jesus. I was nine years old. I wanted Jesus into my heart. How do you get saved? Ask Jesus into your heart. How old you got to be to do that? How much sense you got to have to do that? I did that. Okay? And uh, so I had that settled. And uh, so the Lord had, uh, had called me to preach, had my salvation all settled. And uh, I had another little problem. Our denomination was Cumberland Presbyterian. Nothing wrong with Cumberland Presbyterian. Except my brother had just got defrocked. That means un unpreachered. They took his license away from him. And I had the wrong last name to get ordained in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. So there was another get to start over. Well, I didn't know anybody but the Baptists and the Presbyterians. So I said, well... I guess I'll try Baptist a while. So I went over and joined the Baptist church and uh, taught children's church. Y'all thought I was pretty good. Sunday, I'd only had 100 years experience doing that before I, <laughs> before I moved. I graduated up to older children, uh, adult children. And, uh, but uh, we, I taught children's church, did youth. Had a bunch of youth on a bus we were down at Capable Baptist Church and we were leaving going to Maywood to go swimming. Pastor pulls up on the parking lot smoking his tires, stopping. He goes, stop, stop, stop. I said, what's wrong, Brother John? He said, we don't believe in mixed bathing. I said, I don't either. We're going swimming. <laughs> I ain't never even heard the term mixed bathing in my whole life. Get to learn a lot in this business. <laughs> well, anyway, we couldn't take them swimming. That's like a girlfriend I had one time. Her mama wouldn't let her go to the movies. So we went bowling all the time, except that we always ended up at the drive-in. Real smart mama, wasn't it? <laughs> she didn't want to be seen at the movies. Somebody tell her mama. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, after doing that, I was called to a little church in Arkansas and pastored there for three years. And I still hadn't finished all my education yet. I lacked a year of college. And uh, so I came back to Oaklawn Baptist Church, which was out near Shelby Forest, and uh, went to pastoring. But there was this great big old subdivision that had sprung up out there that the church was doing its best to ignore. It had 2,000 houses in that thing. But the church was doing its best to ignore them because the church was all old people. And everybody living in the subdivision was young people. Well, we started uh, going out and knocking on doors in the subdivision. In fact, we were going to have vacation Bible school about a month after I got there. I said, how many of y'all generally have? They said, we have about 30. I said, how many would you like to have? Well, as many as you can get. I said, no, 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 don't, don't be saying that. Because uh, we can get two or three hundred. And we did. <laughs> and we rented buses. And uh, I went into the subdivision. I had these people 
a guy gave me an old car, barely ran. I took and set one of the hubs off center so he'd run down the road like that. And uh, he put Iuga horn on it and painted it, had all the kids paint it, whatever they want to paint it. And we went down through the subdivision blowing the Iuga horn, and the little kids come run out to the street. And we'd give them a piece of paper to register, but it had a coloring contest on the back of it. And we were going to give away gifts and prizes for it. Give them a little flag. They'd stand and hold their little flag. On Monday morning, the bus come pick them up. When I, I'm in 1973, and this church had never integrated yet. So I'm going down the street, and uh, little black kids came running to the street. And that whole bunch just froze. Like that. And they all looked at me. Like, what are you going to do? What I'm going to do is go over and invite God's creation to come to church. <laughs> so I went over and invited those little kids to go to church. I got back home about an hour later. My phone was blowing up. There were some upset adults that the church had voted in 1978, 60, that if any black folk want to come to our church, tell them they there to cause trouble. And there was a black church down the street, and that's where they had to go, and the preacher had to go tell them. I said, y'all done got the wrong boy. There has been a wrong turn happened somewhere. Okay, ain't nobody going to leave that God created is not going to be welcome in the church. Amen. And you know what? I don't know how that happened, but God cleaned that up. Those mean, evil people went away. They got mad and wouldn't come back to church anymore. And the people that, that were ready to make a change and loved Jesus made a change. That church grew from 100 to 500. And that's seven years' time. But I still, and I knew, and I love my Baptist brothers, but the Baptist church would have already won the world to Jesus because they just quit fighting, splitting and dividing. And the divided church is always called unity or harmony. I never did understand that. <laughs> Bunch get mad and leave and go over on the other hill and they'd build harmony church or unity church. And I'm thinking... It might be for a day or two, but it's fixing to go back and be the same way. So uh, in uh, uh, 1982, God put this church on, uh, on my heart. And uh, I came in one night, one Wednesday night, and I went to bed, and I heard clearly from God to do Central North now. The reason it was Central North then, my brother was pastor of Central Church, and uh, so we identified with something. Uh, and so we called it Central North Church, basically like Methodist North Hospital. Do uh, you know that's not the name of that hospital, though? That's the Jesse Harris Memorial Hospital. Do you know that? Methodist Hospital down over there on Covenant Pike is the, uh, what I say, Jesse Harris Memorial Hospital. What have you ever heard it called? Methodist North. So I decided Central North would work. That's what we used. And uh, so we started out, so I was laying there, and I said, uh, God said, you know, we, we, I want you to do it. So I got up and called my brother. I said, look, I'm going to go ahead and start the church. I believe it's time. I believe it's God, what God wants me to do. He said, God better be in it. I just got back from a finance committee meeting. We're $300,000 in the red, and we're not giving you a nickel. Hmm. I said, thank you, Lord. And uh, so... I went back to bed thinking that was over, but it wasn't over for God. God said, no, I said, now. So I find myself in the bathroom throwing up. 
listen, I had two kids and a wife, and they like money. And uh, I was fixing to talk about starting a church with no money and no people. And uh, so I'm in there hugging the, the cement, you know, ceramic throne, and uh, I'd, I'd say, okay, God, I'd do it, I'd do it, I'd do it. I'd come back, and I'd get in the bed. I'd go, you can't do that, fool. Whoop, I'd be back up, throwing up again. So sometime between 3 in the morning, I don't know that I passed out or went to sleep, but I woke up and I had perfect peace in my heart to do uh, Central Royal Church. So Thursday morning, I go down to the office and tell the secretary, by the way, they didn't have a secretary and I got there, didn't have an office when I got there. And so guess what? The church files and my files was all in the same file cabinet. So I had to ask her to separate the files and she won't know why. And I said, because I'd be resigning on Sunday morning. And her husband, the chairman of the deacons, so about two minutes, he was over in my office. Won't know what he could do to get me to stay. And I said, no, I don't, I don't do it. Their other pastor, who had been there 33 years, resigned 31 times in 33 years to get what he wanted. He was right sure of himself, wasn't he? I figure I throw my resignation out there. They just take it. <laughs> Nobody cares. So there I was. And uh, so we started uh, basically with not a thing. And God has done all of this. And there was a 25-year run where thousands of people heard the gospel through Central North Church. Thousands of people heard the gospel what's the point am I trying to say folks if God could do anything through Johnny Latimer he can do it with you he can do it with you I didn't know how to do it I didn't have it figured out still don't have it figured out it keeps changing it's kind of like swinging at a snake every time you draw back it moves and uh, so, uh, but I'm telling you that Jesus saves because he saved me. And then when he gets ready to use you, he will use you if you just get out of the way and let him. Oh, college? I graduated in 1991. I started in 68, no, 67. I got my picture in more college annuals than any man alive. <laughs> I, start, I started in 67 and graduated in 91. I moved right on through, didn't I? <laughs> but uh, I'm telling you, it's God, people. Amen. It's Jesus who saves. It's God who changes your life. Right. And it's God who uses you as you are. That's what I wanted to make clear to you. He'll use you. Not a preacher type. Not a professional. Not, not some special something. He'll use you. Amen. And one of the first new members showed up was Ron Seifert. So Ron and Shireen and we all sat down and talked. Ron's got a string of doctorates after his name that long. 
And I said, and you're going to church with me? That doesn't make much sense at all. Ron, how long have you been here? 35 years. <laughs> 35 years. And he bless his heart, he just sits over and tolerates a lot of my nonsense. <laughs> he, and, he, he and Dean both said, where's the boy going? <laughs> well, where I'm going is Jesus saves. Jesus changes lives. And Jesus can use you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Now we're going to do, Joe, you got, a, you got a ditty you can sing a second before I, go, before I call on uh, Rhett. Just come up here and sing something. You can flung your coat down, man. You don't have nothing no coat on. I'll put it on then. That'd be easier, I guess. It's like arguing with a coat wearing man. Y'all sing something. Everybody stand, will you? I want to pray. We got one more thing to do, so don't run off. Most of y'all didn't come here to hear my silly story. You came here to watch your graduates get recognized. So we're going to do that in just a minute. But I want every head, every, every head uh, bowed, every eye closed. Lord, this is just as personal as it can be to me. It's funny in a lot of ways. And there's so many funny, funny things happen in 50 years of ministry. But the one thing that's consistent is Jesus Christ saves. He saves apart from any hocus pocus, no magic, no special words, no special ceremonies, no special religious activities. Jesus just saves. Right where you are, wherever you are, you can simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. I need you. I'm sorry for the way I behave myself. And I trust and accept you right now, Savior and Lord. Jesus, I believe in you. And I need you. And I'm sorry for the way I've acted. But I trust and accept you right now as Savior and Lord. And I mean, you mean that in your heart right now, right where you are. Jesus saves. He saved you right now and forever. And some of you are already saved, and you say, Lord, I know I'm saved, but I, I really hadn't done any ministry, hadn't done any, I hadn't gotten involved in anything. I hadn't, I hadn't tried to serve God much anywhere. I just kind of hang around. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for you to own up to the fact that God wants to use you. You have connections. You have friends that I don't have. You have relationships. You're involved in parts of life I'm not involved in. And there are people who are around you, who are hungry just for the love of Jesus, the touch of Jesus in their life. Maybe you'd commit fresh right now. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to start serving you. Be a part of your, your reach out to the, to the world around you. And others might say, Lord, I just, I want to get right. I want to stay right. I want to get involved in a church and be a part of what the Holy Spirit's leading me here today. I don't know. We're going to sing. We're going to just worship for a minute. I'm going to be here. If God's leading you to come and pray with me or seek anything from Jesus, let's do that. And uh, so, Joe, you lead us on. Amen.